delicious halachic content. Oh, Hava. Oh, Michael. Hello. You look so beautiful today. Thank you. Yes, I feel very, I don't know what it is. Like maybe I'm dressed like I'm from the 1940s because of this skirt. It has a very vintage feel to it. You're like the femme fatale from a Quentin Tarantino movie right now. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> That's why we're co-hosts, you know? Uh, let's see. What do you want to... Uh, how are you? Hi, how are you? Oh, right. <laughs> okay, I'll answer this time. You always answer first. I'll answer. Hi, how am I? Yeah, how are you? How are we? How are you? Baruch Hashem, I'm well. I took a nice long walk today. I am planning for a big Beit Midrash this weekend that I'm really excited about. I'm feeling good. I'm spending a lot of time just being like melancholy and listening to really sad music, but I think that's just really healthy for me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like melancholy, but happy about it. <laughs> okay, so you're normal is what you're saying. I guess so. Is that normal? I think we have a skewed perception of normal because we're both like at minimum have major depression. Yeah. At like at the very least, we have major depression, if not a panoply of other things. Yeah. That sounds nice to me. That's basically where I am. I mean, I'm not listening to Sufjan the way you are. I know. Suf's listening to Sufjan as self-harm people or as self-care. I was listening to Dafyomi for Women yeah. because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I took my full walk today. I took a 45-minute walk and I listened to Dafyomi for Women the whole time. Michelle Farber, host of Dafyomi for Women. I hope you hear our show sometime. I don't think you would like it, but I'd like for you to know about it. I love being mansplained to by a woman Ugh, on that pod. I it's know, like so it's hot. Great. It fulfills a lot of gay Talmud, like niche, niche mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's delicious. And I appreciate it because it's like I only understand like 35% of what's coming <laughs> out of your mouth. But, you know, it's it's like talking to a guy about math. It's like, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. As if I would ever speak to a man about math. <laughs> crickets. <laughs> crickets. Crickets. Crickets from our live studio audience here. No, but I, I was listening. I guess that one didn't land. I was listening to the DOF, you know. Uh-huh. And there was a whole section a couple of days ago about just incantations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell it was really satisfying for you to say I was listening to the Doth. Oh, yeah. Like, you've been waiting to say, you've been waiting to be someone who can be like, oh, like, on the Doth the other day. Like, you're in. You're in the world. I'm kind of in. I'm in, unfortunately. Or, you know, whatever. Or fortunately. Oh. Oh. You know, nothing makes sense anymore. But I'll tell you what does make sense. Getting seven hairs from a dog, seven coals from an oven. Seven pieces of tar or whatever from boats, from seven boats. These are all the ingredients of the incantation. What was the incantation for? I think it was to cure a fever that comes back every three days. Yes, you have to get all these incantations and then you have to say a verse from the Torah. It was wild. It was great. Maybe one day we'll talk about that section. I want someone to compile from the Talmud references and a list of all the incantations and spells. Oh, yeah, like just a magical cookbook of Talmud spells? Yeah, magical oh cookbook of, of Talmud. That would be incredible. I hope the person who's going to make that inevitable book has already been born. I think so. I mean, you might be looking at him. Uh, Boom. Baruch Hashem. Future Should me. I be so lucky to know such a sadiq? Anyway, did you do your homework? I can see from your face. Listeners, I can see from his face he didn't do his homework. No, I didn't. And I can't even shame him about it because he would like that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I have an excuse, though. They always do. I'm a failure. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fail son. Michael, you are not a failure. Okay, so I thought it would be cool or interesting for us to talk about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rashbi, a little bit, partially because it was just Lag Omer, which is this Jewish holiday where we do all kinds of crazy stuff. We like shoe bows and arrows and have bonfires, and it's really related to this person, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And he was on the DAF a couple weeks ago, so also relevant in that way. I wanted to talk about this little fragment, this little few sentences in a story about him, mostly because it's really disappointing and pisses me off. Yeah, I wanted to bring a piece of the show that was like, I really hate that this famous rabbi says this thing. Hava is angry smiling now. It's true. I smile when I'm angry. I smile when I'm sad. I have a very beautiful smile. So like, even if I'm dying inside, I'm still beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what matters. We're on um, Masechet Shabbat Daf. 33? 33, I think? Yeah. Masechet Shabbat Daf 33b. Shimon Bar Yochai has said some inflammatory things about the Romans who are governing the province at that time. Maybe we'll talk about his inflammatory anti-Roman propaganda another day. Mm, Sounds cool. So there's been a death warrant issued for Shimon Bar Yochai. The Romans are coming to get him, and he's been hiding in the Beit Midrash. And so our sentences start, So every day that Shimon was inside the Beit Midrash, his wife would be bringing him bread and a pitcher of water, and they would make a meal together. So Shimon Bar Yochai is hiding from the Romans inside the Beit Midrash, and every day his wife is coming to him in secret, I'm sure at risk of her own safety, in order to feed him. He becomes like one of the most important progenitors of Talmudic learning in the future. So his survival is really only made possible by the fact that his wife is sustaining him. Also, his son is there. JSYK. His son is there with him. They're both hiding in the Beit Midrash. Okay, this seems like a really stupid place to hide. If I were a <laughs> Roman, I was like, where can I find Where can Jews? I find this Talmudic rabbi? Where would he hide? Where would he hide? <laughs> I never thought of that before. Clearly, he needs to go hide with the oracles at Delphi. Right. If they're still around. I don't right. even know. He needs to hide with some non-Jews because like, that's the last place they would expect. Anyway, so he's hiding in the Beit Midrash, being sustained by his wife, and then... Mm-hmm. So when the decree against him became more intense, I don't know exactly what that means, but basically there was a death warrant issued for him. And then I think at some point the Roman authorities were like, okay, now we're really fucking serious about this death warrant. So, he said to his son during the time when the death warrant became more intense, women... Their constitution is flighty. The exact word here used is kala. The word meaning flighty is sort of means like light, unimportant, mm. stupid, gossipy. Like somehow there's this Talmudic word that encompasses all of these awful misogynistic things. And he can just say it with this one word. So he's saying like, because women at the core of their being are essentially not made of strong stuff. Let's see. Dilma mitzaari la umagalyalan. So they might torture her or they might cause her suffering of some kind and she will reveal us to them. So basically he is concerned that 
because his wife is such a dingbat, she will not be able to sufficiently keep the secret that she's already been keeping for all this time. And so he just flees the bait midrash. As far as I know, he didn't give... Did he give his wife warning? No, as or far as I know... she just show up with some matzo ball soup and be like, hey, yeah, exactly. where'd as, you go? As far as I know, he just fucked off. Okay, so he's a deadbeat dad. Yeah, but he has his son with him. So he's a deadbeat husband. Definitely a deadbeat husband. I haven't even thought about all the issues of divorce documents that could go into this situation. But he just fucks off. And as far as we know, he gives no word to his wife, without which, like, he could not have lived (laughs) through this situation. You know, I don't trust you. I know you've been sustaining me, like, every day and bringing me bread and water. But, like, I just feel like because you're a woman, you're probably too stupid to handle this big situation I'm a part of right now. So I'm gonna fuck off. Whoa. I know. It's very upsetting to me. I've been studying it with one of my chavrutas, and yeah, we've both just been mutually very upset by it. And it's like this story is a big formative myth. Right. He hides in a cave for like seven years or something like that. Yeah, he hides in a cave for a long fucking time, buried up to his neck in sand. He comes out, he has laser vision. This is like a huge Talmudic myth that I'm sure will piece by piece talk about more on different episodes of the podcast but it's just really fucking upsetting to me that this whole tale of this mystical talmudic master that we are all sort of meant to idolize a little bit Mm -hmm. i mean not idolize i think as jews we're not supposed to idolize anyone but you know what i mean but like he has a grave you can go visit it yeah exactly exactly definitely we're supposed to respect him and emulate him in some ways i think even in all that like he doesn't even from the jump he doesn't even appreciate how much the work of women sustains him people are talking about a lot right now like how different famous geniuses throughout history did famous shit while they were at home in quarantine but like they were only able to do that shit because they had like wives and servants and shit who like handled their whole life for them so that they could do physics or whatever i'm less enamored with genius than i like used to be Mm -hmm. because you know that's like a thing you're supposed to be enamored by if you're like a dude or whatever Right. It goes beyond just women. You are a product of so many things that are beyond your control, and you are the beneficiary of so much unconscious knowledge that's passed down to you from unknown people Mm -hmm. who wrote it on the scrolls and weird science books or whatever it is. Right. You are the product of societies, many, many societies. Right. This podcast and one of the most important things in my life, which is Talmud, in one way I can look at it and see like, oh, wow, I'm only able to experience all of this wisdom because of the work of many, many generations in preserving it and creating it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking about there's even more generations of like women and queers and people who like sustained the people who did the work that gets passed down to us. So there's even like invisible millennia of unpaid workers oh yeah unseen work that allows us to even have the wisdom of the talmud it's just impossible to fathom and it's kind of nuts turning back to your point yes yeah it kind of sucks if you're a lady to be called flighty but i am having this mixed feeling because i'm like oh I want to be called flighty. I want <laughs> to be made be of soft for stuff. Tenderly. I don't want to be made of hard stuff. I want yeah. to be tenderly cared for. Well, I think this is that classic patriarchal situation, right? That like men are not allowed to be soft and women are forced to be soft, you know? And that gets into many more complicated intersections when you're talking about women of color, trans women, things like that. But basically what's being surfaced in you by this podcast is how much you wish to be protected and yes. how much that's not allowed for you. Listeners, 
Please protect me. <laughs> Listeners, protect Michael. He's very small and, yeah. Oh, very windy. I know. Oh, can you hear the clinkling of my clinkling? Yes, I just made that word up. What if we both do it? Wow. Listeners, that is the sound of ice cubes in our ice-cold glasses of tequila. Yeah. We each have juice glasses full of I tequila. Know. It's very cute. Also, we're sitting outside socially distant, and now, in addition to the gas meter, we have a mattress. <laughs> it's true. Where there previously was the area where we recorded, now there are two mattresses waiting to be taken away. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, so the Talmud is a product of unethical labor and gender relations. It is not ethically sourced. It's not fair trade. It's not from a B corporation. Well, in the same way that everything is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm saying, like, something that's important to know about the Talmud, even though it's a sacred book, is we actually have to redeem it in the sense that it is tainted by mm. this legacy of oppression part of our task as the recipients of the Talmud is to redeem it from that legacy of oppression, both by undoing that oppression in the real world and by seeing it in the text and learning to read it in new ways and learning to see those unseen and uncredited characters. In some ways, this is analogous to the art of being able to separate the art from the artist or the forces that created the thing, right? I think learning to separate the art and the artist is one level of being able to yeah, do this yeah. but i think what is actually the more sacred work is learning to hold the ugly parts of the origin of the work along with the beautiful parts of the work like not just separating them but holding it all together do you think that's a way of kind of dealing with your own existential uncomfortable realization that you are as the talmud hava <laughs> yourself the creation of ugly acts. Absolutely, absolutely. I am also the product of unjust gender and labor relations, as are we all. When I learn to hold the Talmud and all its paradoxes with care, I learn to hold myself and others with care. Okay. It's fractal. Whoa. Oh, dogs. Oh, dogs. Yes, that's why my handle on Twitter is Professor of Fractal Halachics, because of exact topics like oh, this. Oh, wow. It's clicking now. Yeah, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, my God. It's like a mirror reflecting a mirror. <laughs> yes, I guess so, Michael. It's I when you it share is. your screen on Zoom <laughs> and you show the person the video of themselves. Right. That's Judaism. Judaism in a nutshell. Cool. Um, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it. Okay. Well, listeners, mm -hmm. thank you for listening to our little nugget of Talmud. If you like what you heard, join our Patreon and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I haven't asked anyone to do that in a while. Yeah, we like the fives. Yeah, we really like it. And call the Talmud hotline if you're a patron. Yeah, you're all great. Thank you so much for allowing me to pay my rent. It's really, really special to me that all of you beautiful patrons out there have decided that I am worthy. I bask in that feeling of worthiness every day. You're worthy and you look so good. Oh my Thank God. You. Thank you. Okay. Shavuot Tov, everyone. I'll talk to you all soon. Shavuot Tov. Bye.